0: There's still time if you want to leave. (laughs) Oh, Bob's not preaching? I'm out. I get it. Hey, my name is Mark Long, one of the pastors here at Oak Mountain Presbyterian Church. I uh, worked in youth ministry for a while, about 30 years at different churches, and then I came here and um, then transitioned about five years ago. Now I'm the pastor to families of youth. Um, I target uh, those families. uh, Just as we talked about with the baptism, I want to support families to the best of my If you have a teenager, um, look out, because here I come, and if I can encourage you in any way, um, so just a little bit about me. Um, I do want to say thank you very much for any of y'all that may have prayed for me. Uh, I had a little episode, and God kind of walked us through it, and and, uh, I'm just grateful, I mean I mean that, because I would get stopped by people as they would see me. And they would would basically say the same thing. Oh, Mark, it's so good to see you. And, uh, you know, because they could go into some details, but I'm glad they don't. And and, um, then uh, I I tried to figure out what am I supposed to say back to that? You know, it's good. Um, And so I just realized, I know what I'll say. It's good to be seen. You know, it's just simple. It's good to be seen. So there was one time I was out there in the hallway and Somebody was talking to me, oh, Mark, it's so good to see you. And I said, well, it's just good to be seen. Not realizing Bob Flayart was walking up behind me, and he literally said, better than viewed. And I just, I just went, That's who we work with. I mean, it's just over and over. He just that, that Pennsylvanian comes out of him all the time like that. So, um, But anyway, we are going to continue the worship, um, I mean, the sermon series, the one another passages, And so, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter three. We'll be reading from um, the first verse of Colossians chapter three. Um, As you're turning there, um, you know I got to confess when we started looking at this sermon series, everybody, all the pastors get a list, and we're looking down and we're seeing who what we're going to choose, what we're going to choose. And I came up to this one and I went, "Oh no, no, I'm not touching that one with a ten foot pole. No way." So I just kept on hoping one of the other pastors would be braver than me and would just sign up for this one. And so we got closer to the deadline. Val's going, hey, Mark, we kind of need to know what you're going to be preaching on. And nobody had selected this one. I just went, okay, I'm going to do this one. And it's on forgiveness. Um, and, you know, because as I looked at that title, that topic, I, I have so many, you know, illustrations of how many times I've asked forgiveness for things. Six come up really quick. Francis, Catherine, Morgan, Walker, Hayden, and Elijah. And I just went, oh man, my kids are so tired of seeing me cry. So anyway, as, we, as I started preparing this, you know, I just thought, okay, I'll do it, Father. I'll, I'll, I'll come after this. And, and I have taught on it a couple of times, but this is one of the first times I get to preach about it. Um, as we're looking in Colossians chapter 3, before we read it, I just want to remind you that this is from Paul's first imprisonment in Rome. He's writing this while he's in jail. Um, he's pro- he wants to, in chapter 1, proclaim the supremacy of Christ over all things. He continues in chapter 2 by talking, helping the Colossians see that they are to p- oppose false teaching, where there was a mixture of Judaism and paganism, and they were just getting caught up in all this stuff. And and then um, later on in chapter 2, he's encouraging them to reject ceremonialism, asceticism, and angel worship. I mean, it just, the things that were coming after the people um, were amazing. And then we get to chapter 3, and we learn what it means to set our minds on things above, that our minds and our hearts should be focused in a different direction. So if you're able to stand, would you please stand with me as we read God's Word in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ, that's a big if, but that's who he's talking to, those who have been raised with Christ. Seek things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on thing, minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetedness, which is idolatry. On account, of the, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander... "...and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have been put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I want to remind you that this is God's word, it is alive, it's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's going to pierce us. And don't be afraid of that because what is aimed there is to cut out. To cut out those things that need to be cut out. And he's doing that because he loves us. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that your spirit would be in this place as it has been already. Through the songs that we've sung, watching the baptism, the sacrament and hearing all these things about you. Now we hear more about you in your word. So, Spirit, come and work in our hearts and allow these words to jump off the pages and into our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. At the beginning of chapter 3, Paul tells the Colossians, as those chosen, holy, and beloved. That they have been chosen by him. He has done a work where he's come after us. He's very proactive. And he's telling us that we are holy. We're set apart. And that we're the beloved. We're we're the the, the loved ones for him. But he's also trying to tell those people that in, in the midst of that description of who you are, holy, beloved. There can't be one part of your human existence... That remains untouched by the loving and liberating rule of Jesus. That every aspect of who you are is to be touched by him. That we can't be selective about where we want Jesus to be Lord of our lives. He is saying every part of who we are. All must be reexamined and transformed in the light of the work of Jesus Christ. To put on the character of Christ, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience More and more and more every day. Why? To become more like Christ. That's his end game. That we would look more like Christ and less like our old selves. Well, as we get to this part, we see in uh, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. That is tough. That is hard. And so I want to say right at the very beginning, as we talk about what it means to forgive, I am not trying to be insensitive, even though I am. <laughs> I'm not a very sensitive guy. But I don't want you to think that the coaches up here are just going to coach you up. I could do that. I'm not saying it worked, but I'm just saying this. Well, I could do that very simply. I, just, I can go there so quickly. Because I don't know what your definition of forgiveness is. There, there is one definition of forgiveness. But there's lots of execution of that definition. And you know what? There are a lot of people in this room that are hurt. And me walking up to you and saying, hey, just get over it. <laughs> what is that? Because when you look at the definition for the word forgive, do you know what it really means at its basis, basic unit? Let go. Now, Mark, black and white, you know, just very simple minded, I can put my head around that. Let it go. And I'm going, but I don't, I don't know how to let go. Well, as, as we consider this, please forgive me if I'm too simplistic. Because forgiveness is also a process where we are learning how to forgive. It's, it, some of these things that you're dealing with, I, and trust me, I, I tell my friends all the time that when I stand to lead worship or if I get a chance to preach, i look out into the audience and I see people who I've talked to and spent time with and I know there's difficult things happening in their lives. And the last thing I need to do is say, suck it up, buttercup. Just let it go that's not where we're called to be. Not at all. As children of God, there's, there, we're to put on those characteristics of Christ himself. So where do we go? Um, I think we stay with the scripture because it says in chapter, I mean, verse 13, as the Lord has forgiven you. That's where we start. As the Lord has forgiven you. So let's look at it and see what that means. Now I know you're going, here goes the preacher. They're all you do is talk about forgiveness and how we're going to do blah, blah, blah. No, no, listen to me. We're going to look at something here that I hope that can help us launch out and to understand what it means to forgive others. We're going to be using his example. So the first thing I see to understand forgiveness is one, God's forgiveness is compassionate, not conditional. He is a very compassionate God. And again, you look up the word compassion in the dictionary, you're not going to see the picture of me right there because it's hard for me to be compassionate. But I promise you this the more I hear about the compassion of our God, the more I want to be compassionate. As I hear about his compassion, I myself want to be more compassionate. Now, why is God compassionate in his forgiveness? Because he's wanting to restore the relationship. He knows that the relationship has been broken, has been hindered in some form or fashion on me. And what he's wanting is he's wanting it to be restored. The word compassion means concerned, kind, considerate, caring, gentle, sympathetic. And I'm going, nope, 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 okay, I got a lot of work to do. But again, I look to the example of our, our sweet father because God is showing unmerited, unconditional kindness to us. When it comes to him forgiving us for our sins, and I know we're going, okay, you're telling me I'm supposed to forgive people of their sins? No, I'm not asking. I'm, God's the only one that can forgive sins. But we are called to forgive, and we'll get to that in just a second. What, what, are, what's, what is God doing with this? By the legal act of God, whereby he removed the charges that were held against the sinner. That's how how he's compassionate. He removes the charges. He he doesn't say, you didn't do it. He's saying, I'm going to remove the charge. And you and I know as Christians, we know exactly where those charges fell. He removed them off me and he put them on Christ. My sinful robes were placed on Christ and Christ's robes of righteousness were placed on me. See see there has to be proper satisfaction or atonement for those sins, our sins there it has to be made. It has to. God's a just God, while kind and merciful, he's just. So the debt was canceled and was nailed to the cross. Now, I know when I say that, I hope it didn't just go bounce right off your forehead. But think about what happened in him granting us forgiveness. He was demonstrating he was compassionate. He wanted to restore the relationship. Salvation was provided by God through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. God could not forgive sin without proper payment. Think about that. If God were to just say, if He were to just go, sins are gone, what what kind of just God would that be? How would you feel if God just went, hey, the sin of that rapist gone, that that murder gone? Now, in His eyes, yeah, it happens that way. But for us to go, well, then I'm just going to live the way I want because I know that God will go, my sins are forgiven. It's, It's not a license. It's an understanding of what God did in providing the proper payment. That God was doing a a work to pursue me, come after me. And it also forever solves the problem of sin in a believer's life, all past, present, and future. Again, not a license to sin, but, but it does cover all of that. In Colossians 2, verse 13 and 14, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh god made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood out against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross that is a compassionate god a god knowing legally, where I stood. And he said, I'm going to show compassion. God showed compassion through his one and only son. We were the ones dead in our violations against God, but God made us alive. That's why this passage says, put off and put on. You are a new creature in Christ. There are no dead men in Christianity. There are only alive men and women in Christianity, God removed our guilt. He removed the legal demands of our, my sin. And God showed compassion to us by taking, now listen to this, this is one of the most difficult definitions I've ever heard of forgiveness. That God took responsibility for my sin. Wait. He didn't just say, hey, Mark, hope you're sorry. He said, no, when I show you forgiveness, I want you to understand that I'm going to take responsibility for your son. Because I'm a compassionate God. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, both my mom and dad are both still alive. My dad turns 85 this week. My mom's 85 already, and he reminds her that he's younger than her all the time. And, Uh, Her name is Fonzie. That is honestly the truth. My mom's name is Fonzie. And so, you know, we heard all the jokes and everything about Fonzie. She's like four foot nothing, you know, and so, but man, a fire plug. Well, my dad was in the Navy, so he was gone a lot. And so mom was left to rear five children. Um, And so she did a great job. I bet just, you know, she let some things go because there were five of us. And, you know, but when my dad showed up, beds were made, everything was taken care of, the your yard was done. I mean, boom, everything was done. But when mom's around, kind of loosey goosey. Well, being the second son, I was your typical second son. I was rebellious. I was so rebellious. And um, I took advantage of my mom a little bit. I mean, okay, a lot. I took advantage of my mom a lot. Um, I had a a friend that lived across the street with us and, uh, understand I wasn't a believer. And when I was about 15 years old, um, I'm hanging out with these guys and some of the guys weren't the best, but we needed to generate some money because we wanted to buy some beer (laughs) 15 years old. I go, what else I got to do? So, um, my friend goes, Hey Mark, I figured it out. I've got my mom's checkbook and we can just write a check I'll forge your name. I'll sign her name. He didn't say forge. I'll sign her name. And then we'll go deposit and we'll get some money. And uh, so he said, but what I need, one thing is I need for, for an account to be on the back so we can deposit it. And he goes, I heard you've got a checking account. I said, yeah, I do. Plan's coming together. So he writes a check. I put the account number on the back of it, sign all this stuff, deposit it. And uh, we get the $25. Well, the problem I didn't realize is, as an intelligent teenager was that you gotta have $25 in your account to get $25 out. So it just bounced real fast. I keep on snapping. I don't know why I keep on snapping my fingers. <laughs> so the, the check bounces, and I don't hear the notification, but my mom does. And so my, I come in from school, and my mom says, Hey, Mark, I need you talk to us about something? I said, Okay. And she explained what was going on, and I said, she goes, did you do that? I said, well, I didn't write the check. He said, yeah, but it, you deposited it, and it's a forged check. It, it, it bounced, and you're in some trouble. I went, great, and I'm literally looking around. Is dad here? Okay, dad's not here, so we're okay, so we go to the bank, and we walk in, and we're talking, and the, and the man that was talking to me, man, he is not playing any games. I mean, he's, he's pretty stern, and, and he's talking about the consequences for this and everything, and all I'm thinking of is, well, I guess we're not getting beer this weekend. That was all I could think of. And so the man looks at my mom and says, how are we going to take care of this? And she literally said this, I'm going to take care of this. Well, you know, we need the $25. She goes, I'll take care of it. Well, there's a penalty. How much is it? I'll take care of it. And there's a, we may have to cancel this account because of all this going on. And she said, I'll take care of it. My mom showed me such compassion. Where I thought the hammer was going to come down. But, but my mom, Fonzie, showed me something. That I, I didn't, I don't demonstrate a lot. But it made it such an impact in my life. Because my mom's compassion, she took care of it. And our Heavenly Father, while I don't want you to be like Fonzie, even though I kind of do, I want you to be like the one she follows, and that's Jesus Christ. God's forgiveness is compassionate. Secondly, God's forgiveness is creative. It's not destructive. See, sometimes when it comes to this, I understand this, see the creativity in God and why it's not destructive. When I look to destruction, God's not saying, I'm going to forgive you if you do this. Because that's the way I forgive. I'll forgive you, but it's not going back to the definition we heard before where God says, I'm accepting responsibility for your actions. For me, I, 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 did, I, I experienced that myself. Have you ever heard this? One of your children disappoints you, breaks your trust, and you think or maybe even say it, well, you're going to have to earn my trust. You ever heard that? Never said that? Could you imagine if God said that to us? Well, you've broken my trust, now you're gonna to have to earn it back. Not very creative. Very mark like, so but it's not very creative. God is very creative, and what he does is he shows us how to forgive in creative ways. What about we say this? I know the trust has been broken. But I want to give you opportunities to demonstrate you're trustworthy. If we talk to each other like that, instead of going, you're going to have to earn my trust, we're we're doomed. And we would be doomed if God were that way. But God is not that way. He is creative. Uh, Why? Because he wants to restore the relationship. Compassion to restore the relationship. Creative to restore the relationship. Creative means original, inspired, inventive, innovative, productive, i got to confess I'm not very productive when it comes to me forgiving people I, I hold a grudge I mean I, I hate to say this I love my dad I love, I adore him but I remember him telling me before I was even a believer he said you know when it comes to forgiveness I'll forgive people but I don't know if I can forget them wow I grew up with that and that become, became part of my DNA but I want you to hear how creative God is when it comes to forgiveness. Such elaborate ways, because when when we're saying God is forgiving, we're saying God is going to let it go. And listen how he does it. Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You've all heard that before, but think about it again. If you take a baseball and you throw it as far as you can to the east, it's never going to turn west. Never. It's going to make a, it may make a circle if you've got a really good arm. It'll make a circle, and go, but it's going to continue going east. It never reaches the west. Isaiah 38, 17, But in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you cast all my sins behind your back. When, when that's described in the Hebrew, do you know what that means? That God's taken our sins and he's put them in the small of his back. I, I, I don't want to challenge you, but I don't know. Has anybody in here ever seen the small of their back outside of it using a mirror? But have you ever been able to see the small of your back? Pfft, big boy hadn't done that. I mean, getting to try to do that because I'm so inflexible. But to, he's placed them there. Why? This next verse. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember them anymore. Doesn't say they're not there. He's just saying, I'm not going to remember them. In Isaiah 43, 25, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember your sins no more. But in love you have delivered my life. Micah seven nineteen, or excuse me, Jeremiah 31 34 says, I will forgive your iniquity and I will remember your sins no more. Micah 7, 19 says, He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Pretty creative. And Paul continues with this description in Acts 13. He says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. In that passage, he's quoting Habakkuk. And Habakkuk says this, it's awesome. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. Even I can describe and we can look in scripture about how creative God is. It's just hard to believe. It's hard to believe because of our sinful nature that God is doing this on for his benefit and also mine, but I can't get there. Because I don't forget. And I don't forget about my own sins as well. Such vivid language emphasizes the creativity of God's forgiveness. When He forgives, our sins are dealt with thoroughly. God has creatively seized our sins no more. And again, He's not just snapping His fingers. I didn't snap. He didn't just snap his fingers and go, You're 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 good. He said, No, I'm good. That's what he says to you, and he says to me, I'm good. One of the greatest ways of God showing his creativity is through Christ himself. How creative. Could you imagine? I'm just, I, I can't wait to figure this, or hear about this with God, but God making this plan, and he's going, here's my plan. I'm going to deal with sin in this way, and here's the, here's the strategy, and here's the systems, and here's all, it's all going to work out. And you know what? It's going to be through my one and only son. That's, y'all, that, that's pretty creative. That he's going, to, he's going to send his son who lived the perfect life, to die for my sins so that I would be forgiven. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, therefore as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We're told that we're to be filled with him. We've been buried and raised with him. And we're made alive with him. That's pretty creative. That he would send his one and only son. And thirdly, God's forgiveness, while it is compassionate, it's creative, it's also costly. I Mango PD in his prayer says um, it's, it's not cheap, but it's free. And I want to go ahead and extend that a little further. It was costly, not to us but to our Heavenly Father. God's forgiveness was costly. Why? I want to keep on repeating this because his desire is to restore the relationship. Why is it compassionate? To restore the relationship. Why is it creative? To restore the relationship. Why is it costly? Because he wants to restore the relationship. It's he who initiates. It's he who comes after us. Even when we're running from him. Costly. Expensive, dear, precious, valuable. And again, inevitably, it's because he is assuming responsibility for our actions. So for him to assume that responsibility for our actions is costly. God freely forgives my sins by the actions of his son. Romans 8, 3 says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Isaiah three five. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace with his words. We are healed. It cost God his son. And we can put our heads around that. It was very expensive, but free. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he, was made, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that, we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God continues by this great act of grace to forever free us from the guilt and penalty of our sins. God's son is dear and precious and valuable to him. So, that, that's what I've always, I was instructed in my homiletics course and seminary, Brian Chapel said, yes, I want you to envision me back there in the back and as you said, your three great points, then I'm just gonna look at you and go, so, This passage answers that really quick. And it says, so, verse 13b, you must also forgive others. So you're telling me that my forgiveness must be compassionate. Yep. Not destructive. Not conditional. My forgiveness is to be creative, not destructive. Yep. My forgiveness to others may be costly. Yep, it may require me to die to myself. Because fourteen and fifteen of chapter three says this: "And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which you indeed were called in one body." Oh, I know you're sitting there going, "Uh, uh, uh, "A mark, we're not God. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus." but you're God's children, holy and beloved. He's setting you apart when it comes to this area of your life as well. I know it's difficult. It is one of the hardest things to do, to forgive. And like I said earlier, it, sometimes it's just a process where you, you eventually get there, where you're not going to be you know, described as that person, that da-da-da-da-da-da, when you go, no, I'm described now as a child of the king. And I want to forgive the way my father forgives. Not trying to be insensitive, but that is our challenge. Do you you remember your first recollection of in the Bible where it says to forgive? um, You don't have to answer out loud. I'm just asking, do you remember? Maybe, you know, not a sermon, but just reading. Maybe this will refresh your memory. Matthew 9, Matthew 6, excuse me. 9 through 15. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But there's this thing right behind it. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Whew. It's pretty harsh. Especially coming from the Grace Church, of Oak Mountain Presbyterian Church. You know, we're just be great, grace, 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 grace. And you're telling me that if I don't forgive, God may not forgive me. Let's stretch that all the way out. Let's ride that logic all the way. The logic here is maybe it's exposing and showing you that you are not a follower of Christ. And I hate to be that harsh. I hate to be that direct. But we're called to do this. And if there's an aspect in your life where you're saying, I just can't do this, Mark, I get it. But think of God. God. How compassionate and creative and costly it was to bring us forgiveness. Focus there, and then let the process begin of you healing. There's so many things, and I don't have time. I'm not even going to get to it again. I thought I would because it's a longer service, but but you. But what if you don't forgive? What if you just choose not to forgive? Will you, what will you demonstrate then? Will you, will you be demonstrating the characteristics of Christ, or will you just be falling back into the old self? God's calling us to put that down, to put it aside. But Mark, you don't understand. I don't want to send the message that what happened to me was okay. You're not sending a message that it's okay what happened to you. A matter of fact, you're sending the opposite. You're going to send a message of love and hope that you have for yourself and for the other person. They don't deserve to be forgiven. (laughs) You might want to back up because we don't deserve it either. Too many people refuse to forgive because they believe the person who hurt them needs to suffer. I can't forgive them because I can't trust them. We've already talked about that. This isn't about trust. It is trust in our our Heavenly Father. But don't don't combine the two. If you have trust issues, deal with trust. If you have forgiveness issues, deal with the forgiveness. But try to be careful not to put them together. Okay, I've gone a little long, but I've got to do this. I I have an illustration I want to share, and I hope I don't get in trouble. Um, There's no clip. I'm not that cool as Bob, so I'm going to give a description. This illustration comes from a show that I don't know if I can recommend to everybody. Honestly, uh, you may think less of me, but how much less can you think of me? And so, but this illustration comes from Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is a a sitcom thing, happens over in the UK. Ted is a football coach. I relate to him pretty quick. And so he has been hired to come over to the UK and coach soccer, or what they call real football. So Ted gets there, and the whole scheme is they're trying to ruin this club, thinking we'll get an American coach to come, and he'll just finally put a nail in the coffin. Well, what happens is Ted brings his own personality and characteristics and love to this team. Now, the language is horrible, okay? You know, I got to watch, you know, Andy Griffith afterward just so I can decompress some of the language, you know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm watching this thing, and we get to the last, next to last episode of the last season, which is this year. And I'm sorry if I'm going to bust this up on you, but something incredible happens. Ted's coaching all these men, showing love to them in ways that these rough and tough guys. One of the guys, his best player was named Jamie. And Jamie, man, he for the, those three years just watching, he goes through a lot of processing. And so they just finished uh, the game that, uh, of, and, and defeating a team that they have been wanting to defeat for a long time. And so at the end of the game, Ted walks back out and he sees Jamie, and Jamie is looking up in the stands. He goes, Jamie, what are you doing? He goes, I'm looking for my dad. Oh, that was a horrible impression. I'll just, stay, I'll just stay American. Um, I'm looking for my dad. He said, well, if he was here, what would you tell him? And then he says something I can't repeat. You know, like, <laughs> I said, but no, but what would you really say? He goes, well, I think I'd thank him. I wasn't expecting to hear Jamie say that. Because I hate him. Now, Coach knew that for a while. And then he says these things. Ted says this. You know, Jamie, if hating your pops ain't motivating you like it used to, it might be time to try something different. Just forgive him. Oh, I no, I ain't going to give him that. And Ted looks back at Jamie and says, Hmm, no, you ain't giving him anything. When you choose to do that, you're giving that to yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, the trap is when we don't forgive, we're hurting ourselves. And the release of forgiveness is that we are better for it because we're holy and beloved. And we move to a deeper understanding of spiritual maturity. And you know what else happens? That thing you can't forgive, that sting starts to diminish a little bit when you forgive. It's a healthier view of your future. Forgiveness is rarely easy, and it's a process, but it can produce positive things because it's got the blood of Christ all over it. It's his power and not yours to live as people who forgive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given. All of us to hear your word again. While we may have heard these verses, we, we heard it from Bob a couple months ago, use this passage, but would you use them in a way that would change us forever? We would literally walk out of this church and be different because of what you have said to us. Oh, Spirit, do this for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, would you please stand for the benediction? On the heels of that sermon, I mean this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord let his face shine upon you and bring you peace. Amen.